morning. The sermon this morning is really a continuation on the same theme as last week, as Jesus continued to teach on the same theme. And the title this morning are, or is, These Are My Brethren. These Are My Brethren, taken from verse 21 of this text. And there in that verse, Jesus said, My mother and my brethren are these, which hear the word of God and do it. This is Jesus' concluding statement to this discussion. He started back in verse 5, which we studied together last week. And in Luke chapter 8, verses 5 through 8, we saw Jesus teach that parable of the soils. And then in verses 11 through 15, Jesus explained that parable. If you remember, in verse 11, Jesus said, The seed is the word of God. Jesus has been talking about the word of God and how people received the word of God and responded to the word of God. But Jesus was not finished teaching his disciples on this topic. In our text this morning, we learn, first, that the word of God has been revealed. Second, we are responsible for our response to the word of God. And third, those who hear the word of God and obey it, Jesus counts as his brethren. God is pleased when we hear his word and obey. Before we begin to look at this text together, let's go to the Lord in prayer. Lord, I pray that you would have your hand upon us this morning with your word open before us. And may we heed the instruction that Jesus gives in this text about your word and how we should respond to it. Lord, may we humble ourselves before your word. We pray that you would bring conviction to our hearts and in our lives this morning. And may we not leave here unchanged, but rather may we take the word with us as we go, humble ourselves before it in obedience to you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, first we see in this text, the word of God has been revealed. In verse 16, Jesus moved from the explanation of the parable to an illustration about a candle or a lamp. And very simply, Jesus said there in verse 16, No man, when he hath lighted a candle, covereth it with a vessel, or putteth it under a bed, but setteth it on a candlestick, that they which enter in may see the light. The illustration is simple. When a person lights a candle, they don't put it away somewhere. They don't hide it. They put it out in the open, on a stand, on a candlestick so that the people who are present can see by the light that it gives. But what does this illustration have to do with what Jesus has been teaching about? Remember, back in verse 10, Jesus said to his disciples, Unto you it is given to know the mysteries of the kingdom of God. And the explanation of the parable Jesus gave in verses 11 through 15, he gave in private. He did not give it to the multitude mentioned in verse 4, but he gave it to the disciples, as we see in verse 9. And what were the disciples to do with this knowledge, with these secrets, these mysteries of the kingdom of God that Jesus had just revealed to them? Having received the word of God, the disciples were to share it with the world. And so must we. God doesn't give us revelation so that we can bury it. Rather, we're to use what has been given for the glory of God. Christianity, as we talked about last week, isn't some sort of esoteric cult where only A few elites know all the secrets. Christianity isn't a secret to be guarded. It is the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ, and it is to be proclaimed. Not guarded, but proclaimed. 
Whatever light God has given to us is not to be hidden away, but it is to be held forth to give light to others as we proclaim the gospel and as we live out the gospel in obedience to the commands of God. Now, Jesus taught his disciples that these things which were for a time concealed were intended to be proclaimed. In verse 17, Jesus said to his disciples, Luke 8, verse 17, For nothing is secret that shall not be made manifest, neither anything hid that shall not be made known and come abroad. This almost sounds like Jesus is contradicting himself. If you go back to verse 10, Jesus said there in verse 10, speaking to his disciples, Unto you it is given to know the mysteries of the kingdom of God, but to others in parables, that seeing they might not see, and hearing they might not understand. Parables concealed from the multitudes the truth that Jesus taught. Now if nothing is secret that will not be made manifest, if nothing is hid that will not be made known and come abroad, then why did Jesus teach in parables that concealed this truth from the multitudes? It has to do with the ministry of Jesus Christ. The rejection, the hard-heartedness of man, the unbelief, the veiling of his glory, all of these things Jesus suffered here on earth as part of his humiliation on the way to the cross. If you remember earlier in Luke, we read the prophecy of Simeon in the temple. In Luke 2.34, he said of Jesus, Behold, this child is set for the fall and rising again of many in Israel. And for a sign which shall be spoken against. In Luke 4, verse 41, as the demon possessed were being delivered, the demons cried out, Thou art the Christ, the Son of God. But Jesus rebuked them and did not allow them to speak. And there are many reasons why Jesus rebuked them, but one of those reasons is that Jesus was to suffer obscurity for a time. In Philippians 2, verses 7 through 8, we read, Jesus made himself of no reputation took upon himself the form of a servant and was made in the likeness of men. And being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. In John 6, verse 15, there was a massive crowd who tried to make Jesus king in Galilee. And when Jesus perceived that this was their intent, he left them and went up a mountain by himself. In John 7, Jesus' brothers, his half-brothers, told him, that he should go to Jerusalem and show himself to the world. But Jesus told them in John 7, verse 6, My time is not yet come. Now back in our text, when Jesus said, Nothing is secret that shall not be made manifest, he's referring to these things, veiled in parables, only explained in private to the disciples, but which would later be declared in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and under the uttermost part of the earth. These things which are still being declared today, the gospel of Jesus Christ. For a time it was secret, but now it is made manifest. It was hidden, but now it is made known and declared abroad. Well, as Jesus continued teaching his disciples about the word of God and how people respond to and receive the word of God, the first thing we've seen in our text is that the word of God has been made known. Christianity is not a secret religion. It doesn't demand blind or uninformed faith. True Christianity is literally an open book. Open the Word of God for yourself and see what it says. See what God has revealed. The Word of God has been made known. 
And as always, with revelation comes responsibility. With revelation comes responsibility. In verse 18, Jesus taught that we are responsible for our response to the Word of God. Verse 18 begins, Take heed how you hear. Take heed, therefore, how ye hear. Now consider this statement in light of what Jesus has already said. Not just in this text this morning, verses 16 through 21, but in this whole passage. He has been teaching about the Word of God. He described how people, different people, respond to the Word of God. Some have hard hearts. And the devil comes and takes the Word of God out of their hearts. That's in verse 12. Some receive the word with joy, but they have no true root of faith, and they fall away in time of temptation. That's in verse 13. Some receive the word of God, but before it brings forth fruit, it is choked out of their hearts by cares, riches, and pleasures of this life. That's in verse 14. But some hear the word of God with an honest and pure heart, keep it, and bring forth fruit with patience. That's in verse 15. And as we've just seen in verses 16 and 17, Jesus taught that the word of God has been made known. Now, as hearers of the word of God, what should our response be? What application should we make? And Jesus tells us here at the beginning of verse 18, Take heed, therefore, how you hear. Take heed. Be careful. Watch out. The word that's used here implies intent, earnest contemplation. As the book of James warns, don't be a forgetful hearer of the word of God. Don't merely make a show of listening to the word of God. Don't be like the multitudes in verse 4, who heard what Jesus said but left without understanding. Be like the disciples in verse 9, who go to Jesus humbly and prayerfully and ask for understanding. Be a diligent student of the word of God. You cannot be fruitful in the kingdom of God as Jesus described fruitfulness in verse 15 apart from the word of God. You cannot be fruitful in the kingdom of God apart from the word of God. Therefore, take heed how you hear. Well, next we see a promise in verse 18. For whomsoever hath, to him shall be given. Whoever has the word of God whoever fits that description given back in verse 15, whoever hears the word of God with an honest and pure heart, whoever keeps it, whoever brings forth fruit with patience, to that person shall be given. Well, what will be given? More knowledge, more understanding, more insight into the word of God. The longer you faithfully walk with the Lord, the more you will grow in your knowledge of him, in your understanding of him and of his ways. The Christian life is not static. There's not a moment of salvation, and then you just coast until you die. Like the seed which grows into maturity and bears fruit, so the word of God in the heart of a faithful hearer grows and bears fruit. So Jesus says, Whomsoever hath, to him shall be given. But there's also a warning here in verse 18. Whosoever hath not, from him shall be taken even that which he seemeth to have. Notice that someone can seem to have and yet have not. In the visible church, there exists the wheat and the tares, the sheep and the goats, the bride and the harlot, 
those who are truly born again and those who only appear to have the grace of God. May we heed the warning of Paul in Philippians 2.12, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. And listen to the warning that Christ gave in this verse. Take heed, therefore, how you hear the word of God. To whom did Jesus give this instruction? Who first heard these words from Jesus? It's the disciples. Now, if you and I had been present, imagine you're sitting there when Jesus first gave this instruction. We might be tempted to think it's an unnecessary warning. Jesus was, as the saying goes, preaching to the choir. This is the disciples. These are people who took his words seriously. These are people who had sacrificed tremendously to follow Jesus. These are the same people who went to Jesus back in verse 9 and asked him, what might this parable be? They wanted to know. They wanted more understanding. And though it was still early in the ministry of Jesus, this group certainly gave every appearance of being that good soil spoken of in verse 15, who, in an honest and pure heart, having heard the word of God, keep it and bring forth fruit with patience. They gave every appearance of being that good soil. But, of course, we have the benefit of history. We know what happened. We know that not all who appeared to be true disciples were, in fact, faithful. For example, we know that Judas Iscariot was in this group and he would go on to betray Jesus. Think about Jesus, or Judas. Think about Judas. He looked like a true disciple. He was a trusted member of that inner group. So trusted, in fact, that he was the treasurer. He held the purse. He was involved in ministry. He was sent out by Jesus and did ministry. He did many wonderful works in the name of Jesus. But in the end, he betrayed the Lord. Take warning from the life of Judas. It's possible to look like a true disciple and yet fall away in the end. Heed the warning given here in verse 18. Whomsoever hath not, from him shall be taken even that which he seemeth to have. Well, from our text this morning, we have seen, first, that the word of God has been revealed. It's been given to us. It is to be proclaimed. And then in verse 18, we saw that we are responsible for how we receive the word of God. We must take heed to how we hear. Jesus promised, Whomsoever hath, to him shall be given. But Jesus also warned, Whomsoever hath not, from him shall be taken even that which he seemeth to have. Now as this text continues, there is a, a shift in style. Verse 18 is the end of this portion where Jesus was teaching a didactic section of Scripture. And so starting in verse 19, we have a narrative account from the life of Jesus. But in this narrative account, we learn that those who hear the word of God and do it are received by Jesus as his brethren. Let's look at this account starting in verse 19. And first we read that some members of Jesus' family were trying to come and see him. Luke 8, verse 19, Then came to him his mother and his brethren, and could not come to him for the press. Mary and Jesus' half-brothers had come to where Jesus was teaching at that time, but they could not get close to him because of the press, because of the huge crowd that was around Jesus. And notice that we're told here in verse 19 that they had come to see him. They came to him, but could not get to him because of the press. In the parallel account of this passage, 
in Matthew chapter 12, we're told that they wanted to speak to Jesus. We're specifically told that they wanted to speak to Jesus. In Mark 3, verse 21, it's a very interesting verse, where we're told that it was the opinion of some who were close to Jesus that he was beside himself, that he was out of his mind. There does not seem to be an interest here on part of his family to hear to Jesus. They wanted to talk to him, but they did not want to listen to him teach or preach. Maybe they wanted to try to talk him down from what they thought was madness. Look at these crowds, Jesus. Don't you know you're in Galilee? It's a dangerous thing to attract a crowd like this. You're going to get the wrong sort of attention. You don't want to stir up any trouble. Let's just go home. Or or maybe they were concerned for Jesus. You're pushing yourself too hard. You can't go on like this. You can't sustain it. It's madness. You need to stop before you ruin your health. Maybe it was something else that they wanted to speak to Jesus about on this occasion. But whatever it was, we don't know. They could not get close enough to speak to him. And in verse 20, we're told that someone brought word of the situation to Jesus. Look at verse 20. And it was told him by certain which said, Thy mother and thy brethren stand without, desiring to see thee. So people came to Jesus and they told him that his family was outside. And they wanted to see him. Apparently Jesus was in a home or some other building at that time. He may have been back in Capernaum at this point, in the home where he was, often based out of there. And the crowd was so large that his family could not get inside to see him. And so now Jesus is told that his family was outside, that they were trying to see him. But look at what Jesus said there in verse 21. And he answered and said unto them, My mother and my brethren are these which hear the word of God and do it. First, it's important to point out that Jesus was not renouncing his earthly family. One of the last things that Jesus did as he hung upon the cross was instruct John to care for his mother, Mary. That's in John 19, verses 26 and 27. And so Jesus is not commenting on the family here. The focus is still on the word of God. And we see in this verse the importance of the word of God. Look at the high value that Jesus places upon the word of God. Jesus said, My mother and my brethren are these which hear the word of God and do it. Jesus has just been told, your mother and your brethren are outside and they want to see you. And so Jesus answers that person who came to him and told them this. And he says, these are my mother and my brethren. You think about the women who were present that were mentioned back in verses 2 and 3. You think about the disciples who were present and other faithful followers of Jesus who were present there. And Jesus said, these, these are my mother and my brethren. And we see here again the high value Jesus places on the word of God. Jesus valued his work as Messiah above any natural relation. And Jesus expected this of his disciples as well. In Luke 14, verse 26, Jesus said, If any man come to me, and hate not his father and mother and wife and children and brethren and sisters, yea, and his own life also, he cannot be my disciple. In Matthew 10, verse 38, Jesus said, He that loveth father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. And he that loveth son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. In Luke 9, verse 59, a would-be follower of Jesus 
someone that Jesus had just said, follow me, to this man. And that man responded and said, Lord, suffer me first to go and bury my father. And Jesus said to him, let the, be- let the dead bury their dead. But go thou and preach the kingdom of God. Now again, don't misunderstand what Jesus was teaching in all these passages. He's not minimizing the importance of the family. Heaven forbid. The Bible is very clear on the importance of the family and the family unit and a man's responsibility to his family. But Jesus was teaching that the gospel, the good news, more broadly, the word of God, it's more important than anything in this world, even those things which we value most. It's more important, higher value. And finally, we see in these verses the love that Jesus has toward those who hear the word of God and do it. Again, Jesus has been preaching the word. If you go back to Luke 8, verse 1, there we are told that Jesus was preaching and showing the glad tidings of the kingdom of God. In verses 5 through 8, Jesus gave the parable of the soils. And then in verses 11 through 15, he explained that parable to the disciples. And that parable is about the word of God. The seed in that parable, Jesus says, is the word of God. And so the parable is about how people receive and respond to the word of God. In verse 17, Jesus taught that the word of God has been revealed. In verse 18, he gave a promise and a warning when he told his disciples to take heed how they hear, how they listen to the word of God. And here in verse 21, Jesus said, My mother and my brethren are these which hear the word of God and do it. First, we notice and we know that it pleases God when we hear his word. God is pleased to have his word go out into the world. Faith cometh by hearing and hearing the word of God. It pleases God to have his word go out. When we read the word of God, when we sit under faithful teaching and preaching from the word, when we listen to the word of God, when we pray it, when we sing it, when we meditate upon it, this pleases God. But it is not enough to simply hear the word of God. Jesus did not say, My mother and my brethren are these which hear the word of God. Or he did not only say that. He went on. He said, which hear the word of God and do it. We must obey. There must be obedience. True faith will always be followed by obedience. Now we have to be very careful on this point. And where most people have trouble here is they get the cart before the horse. Obedience does not lead to true saving faith. There are no works associated with salvation. Salvation is the gracious gift of God. When we are saved by the grace of God, it is He who does the work. No works of our own. But when we are saved by the grace of God, He does a transforming work in our hearts and in our lives. And there will now be a new desire within us to walk in obedience to the Word of God. We will not simply hear the Word of God, but we will take heed. We will apply it in our lives. We will walk in obedience to the revealed word of God. Now, this does not mean that we will walk in perfection. But there will now be a desire to obey. Before salvation, we are dead in our sins. No desire to obey the commands of God. But when we are raised in Christ to new spiritual life, there will be now a desire within us to obey. We will now be engaged in the fight against temptation. 
Before, we were not even engaged in that fight against sin, but now we'll be engaged in the conflict. We may not win every battle, but we will be engaged in the fight. We'll be struggling against it because there's now life within us, spiritual life. And so Jesus says, My mother and my brethren are these, which hear the word of God and do it. This entire passage in Luke 8, starting where Jesus begins in verse 5, teaching all the way down here through verse 21, has one singular theme. Jesus is teaching on the Word of God. And the application for us comes down to this. Don't be satisfied with simply hearing the Word of God. We must also humble ourselves in obedience before the Word of God. And then you may hear Jesus say, or you will hear Jesus say of you, as he said of those true disciples who are present on this occasion, my mother and my brethren are these which hear the word of God and do it. Let's close with prayer. Lord, we recognize the tremendous responsibility that's before us. What access we have to your word what access we have to what Jesus taught as he was here on earth. Lord, we have so much. And Lord, with all these blessings, with all this revelation, comes tremendous responsibility. Lord, I pray that you would convict us on this point, that we would take heed how we hear. Lord, I pray that we would not just be hearers of the word, but that we would be doers as well. Lord, we recognize that One of the first commands of Scripture that goes out to us in our sin is to repent and believe. Lord, I pray that if there's anyone here who has not repented and believed, that they would heed the Word of God this morning, that you'd bring conviction, that you'd bring life. Lord, I pray as believers that we'd be convicted this morning. How many times, Lord, do we hear your word, but then we do not do it. Lord, bring conviction where there is sin. Bring us into conformity to your son, Jesus Christ, and it's in his name we pray. Amen.